everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat about everything and anything to do with the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Cowie and I'm presenting this podcast in Cave Wall Studios, which is a recording and rehearsal facility in Dundiven Road, Coatbridge, which according to Google Maps is 19 minutes outside of Glasgow, Scotland. For more information, go to www.cavewallstudios.co.uk because out of all of the studios in the world, this is definitely one of them. I hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year period, and I hope you didn't get a selection box. And I mean that sincerely. I hope you didn't get a selection box because David and I from the studio here were discussing this this morning in anger. A selection box is the worst gift ever. It's a pound. And I know that people that buy me a selection box have basically stood in that queue and they've said to themselves, oh, a pound for a selection box? That'll do, Scott. See, that's a horrible thing. So, And and it's rubbish chocolates as well. We're really annoyed about this. And I was feeling sorry for myself because that's all I got for Christmas. I was dropping hits left, right and centre to do with this Breaking Bad thing. Everybody's been talking about Breaking Bad. I haven't seen it. So I was basically saying to everybody, yeah, it's coming up for Christmas. I've got, I've got a couple of weeks off work. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I haven't actually seen that Breaking Bad. Dropping hints. Nobody picked up on the hints. I got the usual. I got a selection box. I'm thinking to myself, it can't get any worse. I spoke to David and I said, what did you get? And he said, somebody got me biscuits. Biscuits! Somebody got them biscuits! That is worse than a selection box. Anyway, one thing to cheer us all up, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols is going to be on the podcast today. The legendary Sex Pistols. So many bands have been influenced by the Sex Pistols. I was doing my research and I found this out as well. Christopher Nolan, the director of the Batman movie, The Dark Knight, had said that Johnny Rotten, the singer out of the Sex Pistols, inspired the characterisation of the Joker. Can you believe that? The Sex Pistols' influence goes far and wide. Noel Gallagher, and we're going to talk about this to Glenn Matlock, Noel Gallagher had stated that he would swap his entire back catalogue just so he could have written Never Mind the Bollocks by the Sex Pistols. Think about that, right? So many bands have been influenced with the inclusion of Ian Curtis and Peter Hook, later from Joy Division and New Order. Morrissey from The Smiths, everybody from Factory Records, Motorhead, The Stone Roses, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, Megadeth, Motley Crue, Green Day, Oasis, the list goes on. So many people have been influenced by the Sex Pistols and right at the heart of the Sex Pistols was Glenn Matlock, the man who many state was the songwriting force behind the Sex Pistols. He was the music brain. He was the one that came up with his title Pretty Vacant. He was the one that helped teach the band how to play their instruments according to Johnny Rotten. We're going to ask Glenn about that today. And he is the man that helped the band reunite for the successful reunions in 1996 and the four or five times that they've done so since. We're going to ask Glenn Matlock... What was Malcolm McLaren's influence in the Sex Pistols? Many people state that McLaren moulded and manufactured the Sex Pistols, but were the Sex Pistols an original band that was created themselves? They're such a controversial band, but we are going to speak to the man himself, Glenn Matlock. But first of all, we're going to check out a band from Motherwell called Pedro with their song Way Down South. Yeah, I'm going down the 
Okay, you're here now with Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. How are you, Glenn? Not so bad. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Did you have a good one? Yeah, not so bad. It's a quiet one, but family, you know. As far as Christmas goes, did you get anything uh, anything musical for Christmas? Anything? Yeah, I did. Look, I'm going to show you. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, look, these are pretty musical. Don't know if you can work out what they are. We can see them, it looks to me, a wooden spoon uh, that's a guitar shaped, one shaped like a Strat and the other one shaped like an acoustic. An acoustic and a uh, Stratocaster salad spoons. <laughs> so tell us about the Philistines then, your band in which you sing and play guitar, right? Yeah, um, well, we've been going on and off for a while. It's like a vehicle for the songs I'm writing now. Um, we sort of gig sporadically. Um, I'm not doing a lot at the moment because... I'm just trying to write some new songs for them and possibly start doing another album early this year sometime. Um, and that's kind of about that, really. I'm doing quite a few different projects. Mainly what I've been doing is just doing some solo acoustic tours. Um, I'm off to the States in March. I've got a month's tour. It's like a co-headline thing with, um, with uh, Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls doing that um we've done a couple of tours over there now and i keep asking us back so it should be all right i'm going over to japan at the end of the month um to play with some japanese guys we've got some dates over there that should be interesting um and yeah just loads of different little different things to make life interesting and hopefully with a few few bobs at the same time that's fantastic sounds really good because i was actually watching your acoustic stuff online there's a track i really like called a different world is that your oh. Do you, like, you remember the, um, that's a Philistine song or is that your own song? Well, that was actually um, on an album I made back in 95. It came out in 96 and kind of got a bit lost with the Pistols tour we did then. But it was on an album called Who's He Think He Is When He's At Home, which I put out on Creation Records. So that sort of dates back from then. But yeah, I like that one. It's a good one. You mentioned the reunion in 1996 with the Sex Pistols. We'll switch gears and talk about that for a little minute or two. I'm interested to know, when the Sex Pistols get back together, um, who calls who? Is it, do you get together? Or you, does somebody, how does that go on? Well, there's somebody sort of who manages it in LA and they put a few feelers out. And yeah, but there was some initial bridges that had to be crossed um, back then. But I've always kept in touch with Steve and Paul. I saw Paul not that long ago. I'll probably see Steve. I'm going, actually going to LA, hopefully, next week. I'm just waiting for my visa to come through. So I'll probably see Steve there. John, I'll, I'll see him when I see him, you know. And you guys got back together in 1996. Um, I was actually going to... You mentioned a couple of the guys in the band there and how you keep in touch. Um, but it's interesting to know because there's been a lot written about over the years, the band not getting on or the band's getting on really, really well. So there, there seems to be different... Um, different viewpoints as to how well the Pistols get on. Um, so you guys are, are on good terms at the moment, but I watched a, a, a press conference when you guys got together in 96, like I said, an Australian press conference. I don't know if you remember this, Glenn. Oh, I remember this, yeah. It was it was funny, that, because they, you know, it was the filthy lucrator, and they're, they're a bit short on irony, the Australians, although I, I, as people, I love them, but they said, oh, you've... You know, why are you doing this? And John said for the money. And they went, oh, all right, then. And that was it. You know, they didn't sort of take the fact that he was joking a little bit, you know. <laughs> they, they took it literally. Because what I really like about that, the first five minutes of that press conference, Johnny Rotten and Steve were kind of slagging you off a little bit. You know, they were you know coming, coming up with a couple of little one-liners. Um, so then 
an Australian journalist, this woman is sitting there and she's thinking, right, brilliant, Glenn Matlock's an easy target. And then she said something along the lines of, oh, Glenn, I mean, how have you been doing these last few years? You look as if you've just rolled out of bed to do this press conference. Then immediately, <laughs> Steve Jones and John Lydon jump to your defence and start berating the woman. And I love that, because is there a little bit of, in the band, like, you know, we can slag each other off, but don't you dare say a bad word and we've got each other's back, you know? Well, yeah, that's kind of true. I did quite like what John said a while back, is that none of us are the best of friends. We are hardly the worst of enemies either, you know, so... I mean, a band is always the four, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's the four of you against the world. I mean, the thing that I enjoyed doing most in recent years, I was involved in doing some dates with most of the faces under under the auspices of the faces. That was my all-time favourite band, and there I was playing with them, you know, and that was great. Yeah, let's talk about that. You said uh, a while back that you learned to play the bass uh, through, well, you played along with a Faces album, and then a few years back you find yourself in that band. That must have been a great thrill, right? Yeah, it was a real buzz, yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't do that many shows, and whether there's going to be any more, or if there are more, and I'll get involved with it, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun thing to do. You know, there's it's so much... Those guys are great play. My, my all-time favourite guitarist is Ron Wood. Um, there's something about his playing. It's, he's not technically the most proficient, but on the other hand, he's pretty good. But he's got a great feel, and, um, yeah, yeah, it was just a buzz to be playing with him. My all-time favourite keyboard player is Ian McGlagan. He's great, you know. He's the, he's the best Hammond organ player in the world, I think. You know, when he plays, it just sends shivers down his spine. So the Faces were definitely a big influence in you starting. Let's talk about some of the other bands that you liked in that period of time. A great time for music, the 1960s. What were you listening to back then? But there was this fantastic thing called Pirate Radio. Mm-hmm. Before there was a Radio 1, Radio Caroline, London, Luxembourg, although that wasn't really a pirate station, but that coincided with a beat boom, you know, and bands like the Kinks and the Who and the Early Stones and the Yardbirds and the Small Faces coming through. It, it was exciting, you know, three-minute songs or even two-and-a-half-minute songs. The Move, they were cool, you know. Um, and that's that's always been my yardstick for, for songwriting, that, that short, sweet, condensed little slice of pop action. Now, you mentioned songwriting there. You can tell that definitely with a lot of your stuff. It's got that great structure. I always see you as a really good... You're all about structure, I think, when it comes to writing. The melodies are very, very strong. But it's one thing you listen to, going back to the Pistols, you're listening to their songs, and structurally it's really, really good. And one that really stands out to me is, is Pretty Vacant. Am I right in saying that you came up with that title? Is that right? Are you behind that? Well, I wrote that song. That's my lyric as well. But it would be nothing without John's delivery and Stephen Paul's kind of sound you know I think the sound of the Pistols came from Stephen Paul the attitude came from John and I provided a construction you know for it all I made it all especially the first three singles I think I made them all kind of hang together really you know and provided a platform for all the madness on top of it <laughs> that's a really that's a really good way of putting it because I think a lot of the time with that with that group Steve has since been quoted saying that you know, he wishes that, uh, I think I've got the quote here, he states that he missed you because Sid couldn't, uh, his words, Sid couldn't play a fucking note. Well, it was, possibly, but it, it didn't, and that was the way it was. It was a very intense period for everybody concerned, and um, it's just the way it went, really, you know. 
You mentioned intense. Uh, I suppose it can't get any more intense as far as television goes. We're about to play some audio footage, if you don't mind, Glenn. And if you're going to take us back to this period, it's a, a very, I know, very famous interview that you took part in, the Bill Grundy show. So we'll listen to a little bit of this and you can give us your thoughts on it if that's okay. Our punk rockers. The new craze, they tell me. They're heroes, not the nice, clean Rolling Stones. You see, they're as drunk as I am. They are clean by comparison. They're a group called the Sex Pistols. And I'm surrounded now by all of them. Just let us see the Sex Pistols in action. I am told that that group have received £40,000 from a record company. Doesn't that seem uh, to be slightly opposed to their anti-materialistic view of life? No, or... more the merrier. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, tell me more about it. You fucking spent it, haven't we? I don't know, have you? Yeah, yeah. it's all gone. Really? Down yep. the boozer. Really? Good Lord. Now, oh I want gosh, to know one thing. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Or are you just making me, no, trying to make gone. me laugh? Gone. Really? Yeah. No, but I mean about what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You are serious? Mm. Beethoven... Mozart, Bach and Brown have all died. Bars, yes. Really? Oh, what what, what are we saying, wonderful sir? wonderful people. Are they? Oh, yes, they really turn us on. But they do. Well, <laughs> suppose they turn other people on. That's just their tough treat. It's what? Nothing, a rude word. Next question. No, no. What was the rude word? Shit. Was it really? Good heavens, you frightened me to death. Oh, all right. So what about you girls behind? Are you, uh... <laughs> Are you worried or are you just enjoying yourself? Enjoying myself. Are you? Yeah. Ah, that's what I thought you were doing. I always wanted to meet you. Did you really? Yeah. We'll meet afterwards, shall we? <laughs> yeah. You dirty yeah. son. Yeah. You dirty old man. Well, keep going, Chief. Keep going. Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Say something outrageous. You dirty man. bastard. Go on, again. <laughs> you dirty fucker. What a clever boy. What a yeah. fucking rotter. Well, that's it for tonight. The um, other rocker, Abel, and I'm saying nothing else about him, will be back tomorrow. I'll be seeing you soon, I hope I'm not seeing you again. From me, though, good night. Okay, many say this is the period of time where it all kicked off. Talk to us about after that interview, what went on? Well, we, we had to scarper, basically. I, <laughs> I remember wanting to go to the, the green room to try and get a beer, and Malcolm grabbed me. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get a beer. He said, no, come on. And as we went, just as well he did, we bundled in the, the car they'd sent for us. Or that was waiting for us, and as we drove off, a, a black Mariah turned up with all these coppers with their truncheons on them. So we waved to them, and drove. it was kind of weird, you know. But um, and then I don't really remember what happened much. That I think I went to some gig or something, and then woke up with a bit of hangover the next morning, and got a call from the office saying there was a meeting at EMI, like a press conference, and I said, "What to do? To do with what?" And they, um, the girl at the office, Malcolm's office, Sophie Richmond said, well, you'll find out when you get there. And when we got there, all hell had broken loose. And I kind of missed it all, you know. And, and instead of them being in the music papers, it was on the front page of all the, the national dailies. And it, it just became a totally different thing. And embarked upon the ill-fated anarchy tour and was followed the length and breadth of the country by Fleet Street, you know. And it was really back in the days when they had sort of trilby acts with press in their hat bands. Just one last thing on that. You mentioned Malcolm McLaren. I'm interested to know because it's, it's, it's been debated, but you said that if it wasn't for Malcolm, that it all wouldn't have happened. What, what was his role behind that? Because, again, it's, it's been de debated, um, his contribution. He was sort of an, an enabler, really. Um, he always liked to keep things on its toes. Um, he had a very good address book. 
I think we had quite a symbiotic relationship. You know, he says that he used us, but we also used him. We, you know, we knew he was quite a sort of a left-field kind of character, and he was a good sounding post, and he helped put our ideas into practice. But he had never had any say or control in what kind of music we came up with, you know. That was all predominantly yourself and, and the guys behind that. Superb. Okay, so um, you left the Pistols, and shortly after that, that that period of time, were you? Did you go straight into another band? Did you begin writing songs? Well, in the Pistols, it obviously wasn't working out. There was a lot of friction between me and John. I felt I wasn't getting backed up by Stephen Paul, and I'd been approached by EMI Records, who we were signed to at the time. It's a guy called Mike Thorne who went on to become quite a big deal record producer, produced Tainted Love by Soft Cell, loads of stuff by the Communard, loads of things. Um, but he was my mate. And he said, look, Glenn, let's go out for a curry. We went out for a curry. And he said, look, let's talk as a friend and me as a representative from EMI. And he said, we know there's a problem there and we hope that you sort it out. But if you don't, we see you as the main tunesmith in the band. And... If you don't resolve the problems, we'd be more than interested in anything you come up with. And I thought, hang on a second, that's kind of interesting. Now, I didn't want to rush to sign to EMI, and this was before we'd been given the elbow. But I thought, if they think that, then lots of other record companies will. And since we couldn't mend our differences, I started putting a few feelers out and and getting different people to play with them. That's what happened, really, you know. I mentioned earlier your acoustic stuff. Um, so we're going to say some of that this year. What do you enjoy better? Do you enjoy it with a full band? Do you enjoy acoustic? Do you like a bit of both? A bit of both, really. You know, I, I actually do like doing the acoustic thing because, like, the buck stops there. It, it's, it's more scary just playing by yourself. Um, but that's not a reason not to do it, and it kind of puts hairs on your, on your chest. You know, it, it's quite a knack to... It's, it's, I see it as being one down from being a stand-up comedian, basically. You know, and all, all you're armed with is instead of a, is jokes, is, is some songs. Now, I don't pretend to be the best singer in the world, nor the guitarist, but I, I've written quite a few good tunes over the years, and they, they all seem to, to hang together. And also, I, you know, I get to do a few Pistol songs. I don't really like playing Pistol songs with people who aren't the Sex Pistols, because I, I don't think it's fair on the audience because um, it doesn't sound quite right. I don't think it's fair on some guys who aren't in the band to have to play that stuff. Um, but when I do acoustic now, I can just do a real stripped-down version of some of those songs. Not all of them, because they don't all suit the acoustic format. But, um, yeah, there you do. But on the other hand, I like playing with different people. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be going to the States next week with my visas all sorted out on Monday. Um... I'm going to do some st- I've got this project with Clem Burke and a few, James Stevenson, a guy called Gary Twin. We're going to do some stuff over there. I like playing with different people. It makes life interesting, you know. So do you, you, you play with many different people, as you mentioned. Do you write songs for, is it, are you writing songs for any bands at all or, or any? Not really. You know, I'm str- struggling to write songs for myself at the moment. <laughs> right. I've, I've never been the most prolific writer in the world. I sort of, you, you work away at it and when you get a good idea and you've got something that's burning a hole in your head about some topic or something you sit down and 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 write um and that's kind of what i'm trying to do at the moment really we're on the top music podcast here with glenn matlock talking music as you do right now we're going to listen to a song called size of the universe by a band from paisley lemon hayes
the next day No, we're not talking anyway I tried to steal and you gave up Another's dash is paling up And when you think in the context You should just have me cut six So many bands have been influenced by the songs that you've written. Uh, when we gave the intro to the podcast, we, we went through a lot of them. Is there any young bands, young artists that um, are coming out just now that you're really fond of? You're listening, any, any you're listening to at the moment? Well, actually, my, I've got a young son. Well, he's 20 now. He's in a band called Dead. I think they was up in Scotland recently. They're just starting out. They, their stuff's quite good. They're, um, they had record of the week on the rock show not long before Christmas. So they must be doing something all right. Um, check them out. There was a band I saw. I was in Canada last year, and there was a band on the bill. They had the most fantastic name. They're called Ringo Death Star. Right. And they were great. I really dug them. But I don't see that many new bands all the time. The ones I do don't necessarily knock me out. You know, I'm quite in my world. Um, perhaps you can tell me who. I mean, I like... Who's that bloke, that band with Bellamy? Muse, Matt Bellamy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like them, they're good, but I wouldn't know that they was a, a new band these days, they've been going quite a while. 
Muse's first album, I think, came out in 1999, but I mean, they've been going for a while now, but still a relatively young band, I suppose. Still in their 30s, I do believe. You mentioned your son's band. What we'll do is, well, maybe we'll play a track from them just now. And if MD wants to search from them on the web, it's Dead, D-E-A-D. What's your son called, Glenn? Sam, Matlock. Sam, and what does he play in the group? 
he's playing his guitar. He's like they're a five-piece band: um, two guitars, bass, drums, and vocals. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. It's dead. D E A D. We're still on the podcast with Glenn Matlock. Right, so you're going to Japan this year, and as we speak right now, Glenn Matlock is just jokingly holding up the wooden spoons that he got for his Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. We'll maybe put a link to the... Uh, uh, yeah, but they're, they're not any old wooden spoons, they're rock and roll wooden spoons. <laughs> yeah. uh, a Stratocaster-shaped wooden spoon and an acoustic guitar wooden spoon. We mentioned earlier the, inf- the extent of the influence that, that you guys have had. Noel Gallagher, and I don't know if you know this, we mentioned this in the intro, Noel Gallagher has stated that he would swap his entire back catalogue to have written that one album you created with, with the Sex Pistols. Well, as long as he puts the royalties in with it, that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> when guys like that, um, obviously Oasis had such a big influence, massive band, there's people that are so complimentary towards the Sex Pistols, and obviously he's been one of them there. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel proud as to what you've done as far as your songwriting goes, looking back? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I suppose it's got to, really. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, to him, amongst many others, like I said, we mentioned the list earlier. Um, are we likely to see um, you with the faces again? Well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not really in the, any kind of driving seat on that. Let's talk about some more stuff. I'd love to do it, whether... When, when we did it, Rod Stewart didn't do it. Mick Hucknall stood in for Rod Stewart. Right. Um, I think if there is something, Rod might be doing it. Whether he wants me to do it, I don't know. I'd love to do it, but we'll see. But I, I don't think, even so, I don't think it's going to be for a year because it, it looks like Ronnie, Ronnie Wood's on the tour with the Rolling Stones for quite a while now. So there you go. But there's plenty of other things to do in life. Your first band, the Sex Pistols, um, or the first part of the band that made you, you you famous, essentially. John Lydon, very controversial, seems to come across really well in interviews. Other times, not so much in some people's eyes. But what's he like? What's he like to get on with in that studio? I haven't seen him for five years. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the years prior to that, for all that time. He's great from a distance. He's great from a distance, but we, we love him nonetheless. Just to wrap up, you can follow Glenn on Twitter now, at Glenn Matlock. Glenn, you're on Twitter now. I kind of tried to keep abreast of all these these modern things, but um, how I've ended up on Twitter, I can't remember. And I don't quite understand it, but I am on it. So. What age did you start playing, Glenn? I started playing when I was about 14. Right, okay. And you started off as a guitar player or bass? Well, I had a, had a cheap old acoustic guitar, and then um, I kind of got nowhere very fast on that, but it gave me a... a a, an understanding of chords and things and then when I was about 16 I got my hands on a bass guitar um, cheap old bass guitar and that was kind of good but the thing with bass guitar is it's a bit of a playing by yourself so you know you have to get involved with other people to, to play you know Okay I think we might wrap up there Glenn is there anything that you want to say or you want to promote other than what we've said already? Really, but I mean if you like the stuff I've written I've, I have over the past 10 years I put out that album on creation that we mentioned I, checked, I put out an album called On Something on AMI I put out an album myself called um, Open Mind and then I put out one called Born Running a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. I think there's some good stuff in all of those, so check them out. You know, I haven't just been sitting around watching TV all these years. I do have a go at writing. I'm not the best businessman in the world, but um, I do write a good song every now and then. 
Absolutely, and you've left us um, you've left us quite a back catalogue. So check out Glenn Matlock, the Philistines, and you've got the best of the Philistines out as well. That's available on the internet. You can get that on iTunes. Glenn, thanks very much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, great. Thanks. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Thanks very much. Thank you, Glenn. A great insight into the minds of Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, amongst others. You can check me out at scottcowie.com. And the 20th of March, I will be performing as part of the Glasgow Comedy Festival. I'll be at the Universal Bar. Tickets are priced at £5 on the 20th of March. To play us out, we've got the Abiders with a song called Apprehension. See you next time. the